0: guys, welcome to another edition of Texans Unfiltered. Uh, we are blessed to be joined by Antonio Camardi. David, thank you so much for taking time out of your day to uh, talk with me today. I'm super excited to talk to you. I see a potential cornerback one.
1: Uh, I can move very well, best, can play man to
0: man very well. I think that he is a better quarterback than Patrick Mahomes. He does things that are so amazing, and the competitor
1: in him is just special. Um, I'm excited, man. And I, I can't wait to get there. I think it does really fit my skill set. All right. Welcome to Texans Unfiltered. Um, my name is John Wade. I'm tonight with Patrick Storm. Uh, and I don't know why he's yelling now. Why are you yelling now? Pat, are you there? Why is this not working? I can hear you. You are here yet. Yeah. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Welcome to Texans Unfiltered. We are having this couple... Because we have a guest co-host today. Uh, it looks like he's having just a little bit of technical issue. I can hear everything that he is doing messing with his mic. Um, so, so I apologize for that. There we go. Hey, how are you doing?
0: I'm good, and you?
1: You know... I'm a Texan fan. I don't know <laughs> how to how to say anything right now.
0: <laughs> it's been rough.
1: Oh man! Um, follow us at Houston FB Pod. Um, follow at Pat Storm TU. Follow me at Johnny Wade Three. Um, I don't know James's Twitter handle anymore because he just switched it up, and he's taking the night off, so he's not here to tell you. Um, and I can't blame him for taking the night off. So. Me and Pat, we're just going to kind of free will it tonight. I didn't write a script because, honestly, I didn't care after that embarrassment of a game.
0: Yeah, it's – I had low expectations going into it, and they somehow decided to go lower, so.
1: You know, I didn't expect to win. I even texted my brother. It's like, y'all are going to roll us. Uh, My brother is a huge Packers fan, and he's also one of the most annoying people on earth. Uh, And I love him dearly, but he's my brother, so I get to say that. He's annoying as all. And I'm like, y'all are going to kick the shit out of us. And even with that, as my mindset going in, the Texans still managed to one-up that.
0: Mm -hmm. They definitely did. I mean, it's like, you know, I expected Devontae Adams to have a a decent game and Aaron Rodgers to have, you know, a really good game, but – when you've got a rookie linebacker that comes in and completely shuts down your tight ends and um, and it is wrecking the game, and you've got Roby goes out in the first you know first five minutes of the game, and then you've got Phil Gaines playing ninety five percent of the snaps. That's uh, gonna be a long day.
1: Why is Phil Gaines still on the team?
0: It's a very good question, but you could ask the same question as why is you know Mike Devlin still a, the offensive line coach?
1: Oh, dude. But I know you watched the 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 conference today. Hey chat, did y'all watch the press conference today? It
0: was bad. Really bad. You learned a lot of things about some of these the assistant coaches today, for sure.
1: Devlin just I I mean you already knew he was an embarrassment as a coach by just watching our um our offensive line that we have sunk more resources in than probably any other team in the National Football League go out there and perform the way that they have. Granted, Tunsil He's good. Like, Tunsil's really good. And. Yeah, it, you
0: look at, especially with the way Tunsil's been playing, like, you can just go back and watch the film and see, like, he's had times where he's blocked two people by himself, right? Like, he's done a very good job of picking up stunts. He's done a very good job of, you know, just doing his job almost perfectly to perfection, and Mike Devlin today says in the press conference that he's learned how a tackle, essentially how a tackle should play, from Larry McTunsil. Like, dude, you've been doing this for how long, and you're just now learning what a tackle should be doing?
1: Like, it's a, it's absolutely embarrassing. It's like when he's like, "I wish I could take those techniques and teach them to the younger guys." Yeah, that's your job, dude. Yeah, like, you should have been doing boy, this the dude, whole that's time. your Job.
2: So what and what have you dreaded. been doing?
1: Titus Howard, Titus Howard, I mean, he's looked great. He really has. Like, He is the best tackle to come out of that draft. Whomever decided to take him, I am sorry that I've probably said bad things about you, but I'm glad you did. So not upset with Howard. However, what we're doing to the interior of our line right now should in of itself get you fired on the spot. Yeah, you got Sharping who was our consensus third best offensive lineman coming in to the season. Like that was consensus. That that's not just all of us saying that. That was national media, anybody that's watched the team, to watch out that Sharping's is one of those players that can take a jump. Instead, yeah, he's coming in and he's having a soft a little bit of a sophomore slump and they bench him for Calmenti. Calmenti is a he's a good spot lineman. Even back to his days on the Saints. If you get him in for a quarter or two, um, if you need to cover for an injury for a little bit, he's he's good. <laughs> But Calamante is just not – he's not a starter in the NFL. And Sharping, who has got a very high ceiling, he had a pretty high floor. Instead, they're just benching him, not letting him play, not letting him get as many reps in practice. Like what on earth are they doing with him?
0: Yeah, I don't know because like any of the guys – and I don't know – so I don't know how to interpret this because any of the guys that I've talked to – say that Max has done very well in practice, right? And that they're very surprised by the fact that he's not playing. But then again, you look at who's rushing the passer on this team, and those guys aren't very good. So what does that mean? Really, in essence, like what is Max doing? Like is Max stonewalling practice squad players, or is he stonewalling J.J. Watt? Well, we know he's not stonewalling J.J. Watt because he's not, you know, he's not going as J.J. He's going against guys like Brandon Dunn and PJ Hall, stuff like that. So it's just it's one of those things. that's it's very frustrating when you've got a guy that who took you know who had a great rookie season who no one was really expecting anything out of, and now you're putting in the veteran that's playing like dog crap. Like why? Like why not let him go out there and like learn from his mistakes? How else is he going to learn? Than getting game reps because he's not getting he's not getting the reps in practice, right? Like he's practice reps are not complete or nowhere near what a, a game rep counts towards. And so, what
1: understanding is he's not even getting the starters reps in practice anymore.
0: Yeah, and now now is, and so it's like, what did what did he do? Who did he kill? Because like that's the only reason he shouldn't be playing is if he murdered somebody. I don't. Care. I mean.
1: I get it. He came in. He was apparently a little undersized from what they wanted him to do. But, dude, this has been a crazy off season, And to take those reps away from him and you're rewarding a player in Calamante. Again, he's he's fine. He's fine as a swing guard. But he shouldn't be a starter. And you're giving Calamante those starting reps and you're giving him the starting practice reps from a guy with a much, much higher ceiling. And that's kind of criminal. And you know what if they're going to keep Calamante for another year then take the reps from Fulton cuz we know we're not going to keep Zach Fulton past this year
0: Yeah, I would hope not. I mean, he's been abysmal this year. He's been worse than he was last year and he wasn't even that great. So, it's one of those it's like you're you're damned if you do, damned if you don't. We know Zach is a good a decent center. We saw it last year when Nick went out for a few games. Um, you know, so we've seen what Zach can do at center. But Nick is a better center than Zach, so where do you have to put Zach now? You have to put him at guard, and, well, that's going to be your Achilles heel. So it's, it's, I don't know. The offensive line is a mess, regardless of what they've invested in it.
1: I've also noticed a little bit of a trend. Um, It's not just the offensive line. Everywhere, every level on this football team, except for the wide receivers and the quarterback, have taken a step back this year. Players that we expected to be average or below average, players that we expected to be above average, are not even average. Um, it is absolutely ridiculous.
0: Yeah, I mean the wide receivers have been okay. The running backs, mediocre at best. Okay. But, yeah, I mean they've I been mean, bad. Like, I'm not
1: one of those guys. That, I'm not going to throw David Johnson under the bus and say he's the worst running back in the league, even though statistically he is. But yeah. if you actually watch him, he's He's not getting any favors done to him by the offensive line. He's not getting any favors done to him by the scheme. Not saying that he's the worst in the league. I'm not saying that he's even even mediocre, but he's definitely not been good.
0: Yeah, it's. I mean, he. Like I try, I I tried to do the film breakdown. What was it two weeks ago now? And and kind of show like what he's been dealing with. Um, but you're right. He hasn't done himself any favors. Um, and even the running back sorry today said that you know they were he's having issues he's playing too tall um and he's not getting he's not lowering down he's not you know he's just not playing like he should be um and I don't get like why does it take to week seven to figure this stuff out to to start correcting it? The guy's making how much a year he should already know how to run right, and you've been coaching running backs for how many years you should know what needs to be done and how, how to fix this stuff. And then you go off and you say something, you know, stuff about Duke and that y'all need to use Duke more. Well, why is it taking this long to do this stuff? Like why is it taking to the bye week to where y'all are put in front of the media for y'all to start saying, oh, we'll we need to fix this stuff. Well, duh, you've won one game. Like what have y'all been doing this whole time? Like, I get it. Bill was fired, but that was three weeks ago now. And like you're – Y'all, y'all know that y'all are auditioning for your future jobs, right? Because, you know, you have, you're not going to be here next year. It's going to get cleaned out. Like everybody is gone. Like I don't care who you are, you're gone next year. So like they, these guys need to be auditioning for their next job, and they're doing a terrible job of it.
1: Terrible. They're not, they're not breaking any of the habits. I mean, the brainwashing that was done to that coaching staff and to get everybody on the sameish page. Um, is absolutely remarkable. Bill O'Brien's gone, but you would never know it if you listen to the. If you listen to those conferences, other than Romeo Cornell, the words that they are saying are the exact same thing that we're saying when Bill O'Brien was here. And they've got to take a risk. Now, granted, I, I get it. This is what Bill O'Brien tried to do with his coaching staff is what the Patriots do. You, as people prove themselves, you give them more to do. However, we've got essentially a rookie offensive coordinator and a rookie defensive coordinator and Romeo Cornell, who had to be talked out of retiring, leading the team right now, which is making our team significantly worse. Like you don't have – If I w- I mean, honestly, if I was Cal McNair and I even said this and a rookie special teams uh, coach as well because – You know, because why not, (laughs) you
0: know? Yeah, why not Um, just throw one more more call on the
1: fire? We don't have strong leadership. We do not have strong leadership on the coaching staff. It was all shaped around Bill O'Brien, and you get rid of Bill O'Brien. And at this point, if they don't want to punt the season, they need to bring somebody else in as kind of like an interim anything, like an interim football advisor. I mean, there's coaches out there that are not under contract. Something needs to be tried because we are – Further devaluing the players we have, we are those draft picks that we sent to Miami. Miami's got to be so grateful right now.
0: Yeah, because they're going to get the fifth overall pick.
1: You know, it's just a complete and total mismanagement that starts with ownership. Honestly, if somebody – Cal McNair should have fired Bill O'Brien after the Chiefs game. I said this at that time. And I still stand by it because no coach has ever recovered from blowing the lead like that. If you just look at it, look what happens to the Falcons. Like they don't bounce back. There's something psychological about that. They overreact. Like I get it. Like you get that close and then have a meltdown. I I get it. But at that point, that should have been the key to, to Cal. This isn't going to work. Of course, you know. He's going to take it the other way. We had a 24-point lead on the Chiefs. We're okay. Well, then when Bill O'Brien decides to promote Anthony Weaver, and then to – I don't know if you ever really did give TK the, uh, the play calling, but to say he was going to give TK the, uh, the play calling. neither yeah, does David point, Johnson. And then trade for David Johnson. And then at that point, it's like Cal needed to step in and go, whoa. This all sounds horrible yeah it's we I mean we we did our best all off season honestly, we really did to try and look at the positives, but we went nuclear after the trade to Hopkins. um I'm not sure if you were anybody in chat that was here remembers I was pretty much in tears out of frustration A because we traded Hopkins and B because the return was shit, and we knew it was shit. but then we tried to pretend not necessarily pretend we tried to look on the positives. it's like, well, what's already been done has been done. However, maybe these players can prove themselves. Maybe we can get a solid player in the second round. And at this point, like, every decision, like, if you look at it, what was the worst possible outcome has happened.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's been, it's been bad, you know. Like, I, everyone, after the hop trade, I was like, all right, well, we don't need 2016 David Johnson. We need 2018 David Johnson. We're not even getting that, right? We're getting, we're getting last year's David Johnson. Um, Brandon Cooks has been okay. Randall Cobb has been okay. He's gotten better week by week, but, um, I mean, it's just like, and then you've got the guys like Eric Murray, you re-sign Witt to this big, huge deal. Um, you re-sign Zach to, or you extend Zach. And it's like nothing, nothing could possibly go right for this team. Like literally nothing is going right at all. And I don't, I don't know what it is. Um, They don't know. Obviously, they don't know what it is because they would have. Hopefully, they would have tried to fix it by now. Um,
1: Question for both you and Chat along that along those lines. Tell me one player other than Deshaun Watson that has taken a step forward this year. Tunsil. Tunsil is already awesome.
0: But he's gotten so much better. That's the crazy thing, is like he's cleaned everything up.
1: Okay, so Watson and Tunsil, two elite talents. Anybody else?
2: Yeah, maybe Fuller.
0: Like somebody mentioned in the chat. Maybe Fuller, just because he's stayed healthy. He's had some really strong games. Um and the drops have they've been there. Like he hasn't dropped like a, a ton of passes. Um but, you know, he's he's still got some room for improvement, obviously. Um I mean outside of that, man, I don't know. Like nobody
1: Roby's been better than last year, but I mean, no, he's, he's, not play, he's not playing towards his career best. Um, but I mean, Roby's been probably our best defensive player. That's I can I can get behind that. Um, Watt is not in defensive MVP anymore, but he's he's still good. Fuller is the same as always. Titus, yeah, that that's legitimate. T- Titus and Tunsil, yeah, they've both stepped up, but.
0: Titus has still got a lot, a lot to work on. Yeah, he does. Like, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna give Titus a pass just because he's, he's kind of shut some guys down. Um, there's still, like, there's still some very frustrating traits that he does. And if you go back and watch the film, it infuriates the crap out of me that you get a lot of times where you can sit there and look, and he's just standing around, like he doesn't have a job, and like Deshaun's getting hit. <laughs> it's like, man, what are you doing? Like, come on. Um, but he, he hasn't even played a full season yet, so like I kind of cool. give him the benefit cool. of the
1: doubt. a rookie. And essentially my point is, usually you can't expect for this much of your team to stay stagnant or to take step backs and then be surprised that this is the outcome that we have. Yeah, I agree. And I agree. This may be just a very long way of trying to defend where we are at as a as a podcast, as a show, as a, a, um, a sports media, um, whatever we want to call ourselves, we were very, very optimistic. We were very optimistic coming in. And even going back and looking at everything, I still stand by a lot of that optimism. But this is tough. Like this is really, really tough. Like it's, it's not, not been fun. Like you just I don't think that you could predict as many people took step backs as they did. But at the same time, a lot of those um, a lot of player or a lot of guys that, that I absolutely love that follow the Texans, like Rivers McCown, for example, or Jason Braddock, they were they were they were negative.
0: Very I mean, and rightfully so, though. I mean, that's their and job. Right. Like, th- th- that's their job. Their job is to be completely 100% unbiased and to hold, you know, to hold the team accountable, right, for the public. Like, that's literally their job. Um, and ours is kind of we have, like, a happy medium where we've got to kind of be optimistic and, and pleasant for the fans, but we got to kind of also be a little bit harsh. Um, and, yeah, I don't, I don't know. I don't have answers for this team, man.
1: Yeah. It's just, I don't know. It's an absolute joke, but again, shout out to Rivers and Jason Brodick. Uh Make sure you follow them if you don't. They they are two of the best, and they were, I, I pointed them out because they were the two that were probably the most negative, and it was almost hurtful because I respect them so much. So mm-hmm. much. Um, because we, no one wants to be negative, but they were right. But they were definitely right, and yeah, um, <laughs> oh well, um, do you have any other thoughts on the game, or thoughts on this mess?
0: Yeah, I mean, I, so like, I I watched, I watched about a half of the game, I watched about the first half of it again, on the All-22, um, got super frustrated and had to shut it off, because there, I mean, there was just nothing to, there was no positive to come out of it, and, one thing that really stuck out to me is that, I don't know, I don't want to call it a coaching thing, and it very well could be. It very well could be coaching. But there's there's an obvious disconnect in the secondary on either, A, what type of coverage they're in, or, two, what type of, you know, like just what defense they're running. Because the, the Devontae Adams touchdown where he basically just walks into the end zone, um, Murray was covering him and Justin was on the opposite side of the field where he shouldn't have been. Like, Justin should have been over the top of, of Adams on every single freaking play and he wasn't. And so either one, that Justin misheard what the defense was supposed to be and he was where he thought he was supposed to be, or two, there's just a... There, it's bad coaching and he's not recognizing things like that. And... I think justin that's been Justin's biggest fallback this year.
1: Yeah, and Lonnie Johnson looks absolutely lost at safety.
0: Yeah, and they're not going to move him back to the corner. Um, at least that's what Weaver said today. Even with Roby being out, they're going to roll with the guys they have, which is scary. I mean, but they don't have a choice because Conley's not coming back anytime soon. Um, we know Phillip Gaines is this, so that means either John Reed is going to play and Philip Gaines is going to sit or they're just going to keep rolling with the same circus that they've been rolling with.
1: All right. Um, there was a good question that came up on, in chat that I want to kind of address. How much different do you think our record is with Hop?
0: Hmm, I'm going to say add two more wins. Really? Yeah. What two? Tennessee. And... I want to say Minnesota, but they were losing. Well, yeah, I'll say Minnesota because the Texans were losing the whole time, and I, I feel like they could, like, it would have been different having him out there. I don't think, like, I, I understand what Hop, Hop does, um, and I know, like, Hop's ability and, and everything like that. But if you look at the numbers, Deshaun is spreading the ball around so well right now that I'm not going to say he's missed because obviously he is, right? Like he's the best wide receiver in the NFL. Um, and so it's like, I don't Yeah, I, I got to say two just because I, I don't see – I can't think of any scenarios where he just absolutely maybe takes over the game besides those two games.
1: I'm I actually think- our record's not any different. As well as Watson's playing. The thing that I'm more frustrated now when t- looking at Hop um, is that we didn't get more for him. And granted, that's always been the issue. Um, but getting David Johnson instead of almost any other player at this point, because our our run games wasn't going to succeed no matter who we put back there. And it's like I love Hop, and but we definitely way undersold him. Maybe, maybe we win one more game. Maybe. So Hopkins, coming back through the building, wouldn't change anything, and I miss him, and I definitely miss him. Like, I, I'm i still heartbroken that we traded him, but I'm more upset than ever about the return.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it, and this all boils back to, like, if they had just been able to keep Carlos Hyde, we wouldn't be in this situation.
1: Well, I mean, you change David Johnson for Pat Pete. I
0: don't. I don't think that trade even happens. Like, I honestly don't even think that trade even happens.
1: Oh, I think that the Cardinals back out at that point. But at that point, yeah. it's um, it. You just a little flip like that would have made a huge difference. Because again, like our receivers are not the problem. Watson's not the problem. Um, like, it's
0: yeah. I don't. I don't put a, a whole lot of the blame on the offense at all. I don't put a whole lot of. Blame. I mean, I'd say if you split the blame, I'd say maybe fifteen
1: eighty five. Yeah. Just so because- I just wanted we. I wanted to put those thoughts out there. It's like yes, Miss Miss Hop, wish we didn't trade him. Still in a hundred percent agreement that we got absolutely screwed on, on the return. But he yeah. wasn't going to win. He's not going to win us four games. Like we're not all of a sudden going to be one of the better teams in the NFL because our co. It really is coaching that is. The issue right now, it is just we can't ask Deshaun to do anything more than he has. Like this is all we ever really wanted out of Deshaun. If he comes out, and it's not even the it's not yards, it's not yardage. We talked about this before the before the show that you have to look at his completion percentage, his passing passing rating, um, and just what they've asked him to do. The reason his yards are so high is because we're always from. We're always playing from behind, and the other reason his yards are so high is we can't run the ball worth a damn. Mm-hmm. He has to throw the ball to move the ball. So Deshaun is doing everything possible. If you had told me at the beginning of the year Deshaun's current stats, there's no way I think we're one in six. And it's That's absolutely cool. amazing. This is the this is the thing that is the most amazing to me that the quarterback is the most important position in sports. We've got a guy that is playing like the, a top five quarterback and. Or one and six.
0: Yeah, it's you know it's it's tough because he's doing he's doing what's asked of him, and I don't think um, I don't think very much could change on you know and yeah he's still got some room for improvement obviously he's not perfect, um, but yeah if you look at like you said if you look at Deshaun's numbers you're not looking. Uh, you're not looking at this team and saying, okay, they're one in six. There's just no way.
1: It is what it is. Um, however, I'm um, going to kind of move this over to, because you don't get to spend a lot of time on the show. So I want to ask you what's your hopes for our coaching search and our GM search, how they're going to kind of go, what your hopes are and what you kind of expect. Um, starting off with what do you hope happens with our GM and coach search?
0: I really hope, that they don't just take a flyer on somebody. That they really do their homework, and that's what Corn Ferry is here for. Um, that's what they're—they're they're the guys that go out and do the vetting, basically. They're the ones that make the phone calls and talk to um, previous people that these guys worked with, um, former staff, players, that type of stuff, and really get a sense of where that person is and like where their head is headed. Um, and, like, you know, what kind of direction they want to go as far as being, you know, a professional and stuff like that. Um, and I hope Cal really sits back and analyzes and listens to their opinion. And I hope to God that he takes zero advice from Jack Easterby because Jack has been at the root of every single bad thing that has happened since he got here um, the Clowney trade, the Hopkins trade some of these contracts, like just bringing Brandon Cooks over. And I don't want to call the Brandon Cooks trade a bad trade, right? Because a second for Cook is maybe a little bit high, depending on what he, you know his final results are for the season and what happens after this year. Um, but you really needed another receiver to kind of fill that role, to help fill out that role that you, you lost. Um, and so it just there's so many things that he's been a part of and I don't tend to have his hands in the mix on bringing in somebody that's going to be in charge of this team, essentially, um, because that person still has to answer to him. And that scares the crap out of me. So my ultimate hope in all of this is that Jack Easterby gets fired before they hire him. Because right now, a lot of the talk is that no one, a lot of the top candidates don't want to come to Houston because Jack is still here. And that scares me. Right? So that means you're going to miss out on guys like Joe Hortiz. You're going to miss out on Mike Borgonzi. You're going to miss out on Ed Dodds. You can miss out on Joe Dorsey because Jack Easterby is still here. So I think that it has to be the absolute first move when the season is over. At the end of week 17, Jack Easterby gets called into Cal's office and told, pack your crap and get out of him." um but then I mean, you know, like look at the, the the potential candidates that are out there, man. There's there's a lot of young guys that have a really good reputation around the league. Um, like I said earlier, Joe Ortiz, uh, Mike Borgonzi, Ed Dodds, um, Elliot Wolf is still out there. Uh, I mean, there's just so many potential people that that uh, you know, that could fill that role. Um, let me pull up my list that I had from the other night. All right, where'd it go? (laughs) Of course it would be gone. There it is. So Joe Ortiz, Mike Borgonzi, Ed Dodds, uh, Will McClay, who's been in Dallas for years, right? Will McClay is from Houston. Um, Dallas always drafts very well, right? Um, And I think that he could be, like a you know a really solid hire if they could get somebody like that. Um I kind of threw Jeff Ireland's name out there, who's he's in New Orleans. Um and a lot of people kinda gave me a little bit of crap about it, but I feel like New Orleans does a very good job of filling out their roster year in and year out, whether it be the draft or free agency. Um, and
1: Ireland I feel like that's a, a great candidate. Um I feel when like we he's not to a lot England, of- very similar position that we are and since they've gotten there, or since he's gotten there, like their personnel department has completely changed. Yeah. They are very offensive heavy. They didn't have a lot of draft picks. They were in salary cap hell. And he came in and granted it may be it may be the uh partnership, but that that's not bad.
0: Yeah, so I those those are my top five. Um they're gonna interview, you know, some other people, um and that type of stuff, but the, that that would be you know, that would be my top five. And then, of course, as far as head coach, um, I am 100%, 100% sold on Robert Salah. Like, there's a, a video clip or a, a clip of him talking at the, uh, I want to call it a minority coaches summit. Um, and that could be wrong, but he he was speaking on, he got asked on how he would fill out his coaching staff. Um, and just the way he explained everything and how humble he sounded and how self-aware he sounded that he is obviously, like, he's, he's good at what he does, but he's not the best at everything and that he needs other people to fill in those other roles and in those, in, in those other coordinator positions. Um, he needs people that are really, really good at what they do um, and their specific areas to fill out his, his staff. To make everybody around him successful, like just 100% sold me. Um, now, of course, I wouldn't be mad at a guy like Eric Bieniemy, Matt Eberflus, Brian Davil, Um and I threw a kind of a wild card in there, and a lot of people just kind of gave me a weird look. Um, but Mike Mike Kafka um, would kind of be like my uh, my Joe uh, my Joe Brady wild card pick.
1: Did uh, uh, was that you I was talking about? Were Salah with Kafka as the offensive coordinator is kind of like my dream.
0: That would be incredible. <laughs> and, and people don't know who Kafka is, but he's uh, the quarterback coach and the passing game coordinator for the Kansas City Chiefs. So he has had direct impact on the development of uh, Patrick Mahomes and and their passing game. So why not? Like, you've got – yeah, I get the enemy. You know, he's been the offensive coordinator since, what, 2017. Um, so why not – you know, if you're so high on the enemy, why not Kafka?
1: I actually think Kafka I don't know. I Benjamin's kind of one of those guys that he's earned it. He has definitely earned it. He's a he's a players guy. What he's done up in Kansas City, um, he has the resume for it. Granted, his resume is it's a little bit concerning when you go back through and you look at it. Um, I'm not sure if you've read James' article, but he did the research. And Benami actually hasn't had a great record as a coach, so that's a little concerning. He didn't have a great he didn't have a great record until he came to Kansas City, and then once he came to Kansas City, when you get matched up with when you get matched up with Pat Mahomes, all of a sudden, yeah, of course you're going to look fantastic. However, I like Joe Brady. Um, there's concerns there when he because he's this is only his first year as an offensive as an offensive coordinator. He was the passing game coordinator for LSU, and granted, he has done a great job. If you look at what uh, Carolina is doing, he had they they really have done a great job. So I'm not upset with either one. Um, I like Sala. I liked him a lot. Like I I said two weeks ago, I think that he was probably my number one. Um, I've cooled a little bit on Dabble. Um, probably a lot of bit on Dabble, honestly, over the past couple of weeks, but. I like the idea of Salah because I think that he would bring an offense coordi- a coordinator from the, uh, the Shanahan tree because the Shanahan tree is the most successful coaching tree and the most successful offensive coaching tree in the NFL. Yeah.
0: Like,
1: if you look at it as a tree, anybody that has similar success is a one-off coach that is not directly related to any sort of tree. Like, the pa- there is no Patriots tree. There is no... Um, there is no air raid tra- tree in the NFL that works. There's no coaching tree that compares to the Shanahan tree with success. And you've got to remember, like, yes, we've been there before. Um, Kubiak, of course, was a, was a part of the Shanahan tree. Um, but look at the success that that entire coaching staff has had. Like, I can't think of another non-Super Bowl staff that has gone on to produce as many head coaches as that staff did from from the Texans.
0: It's insane, like it's literally insane. Like if you look at the coaches that are around the league right now and who uh, who has come out, it's 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 mind boggling the talent that's let that has left Houston because of the incompetence of others and has gone on to have success other- elsewhere. It, well, not it's not
1: necessarily even the incompetence. Like if you look back on it, like the only thing that you could have done is given Shanahan a the head coaching position when he would have been the youngest ever. Like you really like it is what it is. Kubiak had to go when he at that point. Like and I love Coops. Like don't get me wrong, but he had to go. Like he couldn't be kept on. He had run his course. And Shanahan of course followed his dad. But the only way to have kept that together is is to have hired Shanahan and when he would have been the youngest by far ever head coaching in the league, and you didn't know what he was going to turn into. So there, believe it or not, I don't feel as like there was any incompetence handling that coaching staff. I just find it mind-numbingly crazy how good of a coaching staff that was. And we essentially missed out on having a solid head coach by just a couple of years because there's many candidates that if Koobs holds it together, if um, if Shab doesn't have an implosion, doesn't get hurt, like we probably are... We probably have one of those guys as our head coach currently.
0: It's true. I mean, you very well very well could. Um, I'm about to punch James in the face. James, get out of the chat and go off. And You're supposed to be off tonight. Leave us alone. Uh, um, yeah, man, it's like Robert Salah was here. Um, who's the head coach in, in Green Bay right now?
1: Matt LaFleur?
0: LaFleur. Um, like you've had all this, all these guys that have been here at one point or another time and now all of a sudden are just are killing it elsewhere. Um, And it just like it just sucks to see that you've had to suffer to, you know, to see what you screwed up. So yeah.
1: we were so close, so close to actually having the McNair dream of being the Steelers with the same where you have that same coaching tree. Like, if you take Tomlin for every guy that he's worked for, like, the Steelers have never had a hard reset. So close. But, you know, a stroke and a quarterback imploding, that's kind of what did the Texans in, and it's absolutely insane. And I honestly, though, I think that that's the strongest coaching tree out there by far, and if we're going to go with one, I would go with that one. Um, I just don't know of a one-off coach like Joe Brady that I feel the same comfort level but I mean maybe like I think that Brady is probably I, I I'm actually James is bringing me over to that side where I think that he is the highest potential of any coaching out, out there but it relies so much so much on the assistant coaches that he's able to bring in and what you're saying about Easterby scaring everybody away why wouldn't an, an experienced coach come with Brady? Like, I think Brady does it because he gets offered a head coach job. Like, if you're in that position, you get offered a head coaching job, you're going to take it. It's the same with any of the younger VN candidates. If they get offered it, they're going to take it. That It doesn't matter about Easterby. But the guys that you need to help make them – the guys that you need to come in with them that would be supportive they'd be scared off of Easterby. And that's what kind of concerns me about that.
0: Yeah, it's – I mean, I've talked to, I've talked to several people about it. Um, And I've talked to people in the building that, that are just, they don't understand why the guy is there. And it's like when you have people that are working with this guy on the daily and they don't understand why he's there, like, what does that tell you? Like, why, like, why in the hell um, is this guy still employed? And I, I get that they want to, they want to have some semblance of a GM, um, but it's like there's other people that I feel like in in the building that could uh that could have handled this.
1: <laughs> Please, if the McDaniel's Cesario hire, if we end up doing that, that's one of the few things that actually. I, I can happen.
0: tell you, I can tell you right now, 100%. If Nick Cesario is hired here as a GM, Josh McDaniel's is not coming with him as the head coach. Oh wow! It's not happening. It just will not happen.
1: Okay. Well, that's a little bit of a bomb, but I will take that.
0: James is full of crap.
1: <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, you got anything else you want to share with us? Any other like coaching rumors or any other player rumors or anything else going on? I mean, I guess, damn it, I don't really want to talk about this, but do you think anybody's going to get traded?
0: I don't see it. Like, I just... Um I just I can't see it. They don't have they they're taking like they're they're taking phone calls, right? But unless they're absolutely blown away and they know that the the offer that they're getting is really, really good and in their favor, they're not taking it. They're not gonna take a third round pick for JJ Watt. Um and they're not gonna take a a fifth round pick for Will Fuller. Like they're not doing this stuff because they wanna keep Will here. They wanna keep JJ here. Um Sorry, I've got two kids that are supposed to be in bed right now that are up running around. Um, but, you know, it's, unless they're absolutely just blown away by something, I just, I can't see it. Because, and like this, this JJ Watt to Seattle thing, right? Like, every, I know everyone's asked, I've got like four messages from it. James said something in the chat earlier about it, that JJ was going to Seattle. J- Seattle has four draft picks next year, they have four. What are they giving Houston that's of any value besides Jamal Adams, Russell Westbrook or Russell Russell Wilson, um, DK Metcalf maybe? I mean, are they doing that? But no, like this, Seattle has absolutely like zero draft capital to trade to Houston for next year for, to make that offer even attractive. So.
1: Yeah, I'm sort of in agreement. Like that's when everybody starts playing. Try to pretend that this is man, uh, Madden. Madden. Um, unfortunately, in the NFL, we don't see midseason blockbuster trades that often. They have been more frequent in the past couple of years. But right now, do we really trust our GM to our GM to do anything correctly? Like, do we? Co- is there anybody in the entire franchise right now that we actually trust to make the right moves when it comes to this. So at this point, yeah, I just don't see it happening. Um, Then again, I've been already proven wrong by um, Cal McNair on what he will allow them to do. So would I be surprised not really, I just, if you ask me based on my gut and just kind of reading the tea leaves that that I get, nothing's going to happen because nobody's going to offer the Texans anything that'll make them actually want to do it. Because they are actually kind of in agreement of, with, with us. Like, they think that they are better than a 1-6 team. Um, and I I honestly, I think that that is a very fair take, that they are better than 1-6. They are just so poorly coached right now and there's such a lack of leadership that their coaching staff sure as hell deserves the 1-6, but I don't think the players actually do. I don't, just have that much regression and so forth. And I know I've already beat that horse dead, but I honestly don't put this on the players, and I don't put this on the talent. The Texans are too talented. And if they get the right guys in and the big if, like they should be a rather quick turnaround, especially because they have Deshaun.
0: Yeah, I, I, I'm completely in agreement with everything you just said, 100%. So... And I keep seeing – I'm going to tell Daniel. Daniel just commented that Houston isn't re-signing Will Fuller. Um, Houston is planning on re-signing Will Fuller. Like They've told him that they want to keep him. So I don't think that he's going anywhere.
1: Yeah, maybe of the receivers we have, honestly the only one that we probably won't have next year is Stills. That's my guess.
0: True. Very
1: true. And Kiki. Yeah, and Kiki. Well <laughs> granted we get the right coach, because Kiki's talented. Kiki's just been it's, all, it's yeah. all in Kiki's head. Yeah. And it's the same issue that apparently Sharping's having as as well as it's all in his head Is, which that to me is concerning. We have a we have a, a I don't know, a priest running the uh the team and yet we have two guys that have huge mental issues. You would think of nothing else that we would have Below average talent players, but everybody's head was on straight. Instead, we've got teams that we have talented players who just can't get their heads on straight.
0: Yeah, you've got a character coach here that obviously can't do can't do anything about these guys' character because they're still having issues with it. So this is one of the, the monsters that's running around in the background. By the way, guys, I'm sorry. Actually, I've got both of them right
1: here. <laughs> oh, one, one of those nights
0: in the Stormhouse, guys. Sorry. Say hi. <laughs>
1: Say hi to everybody watching. No? All right. All right. Um, anything else? Any other, like, whispers or secrets out there that you're able to share that you think would be really interesting?
0: Um, I'm trying to think, man. It's been a long week so far. Hey! What are um, you guys
1: doing? Hey, Jordan's here.
0: Oh, they uh, I are mean, like It's going. That's going. Um. Yeah, man. There's nothing. There's nothing really happening right now that that needs to be known. Just a lot right. of chatter and a lot of crap. So.
1: Well, that's a little bit of a bummer. Um. Don't we have to do, like, a promo or something? James didn't leave me any instructions. Uh, Oh, yeah. um, Manscaped. Promo code Texans. I don't have a dry read because I didn't think of anything. So there you go. Get one. uh, Wouldn't be very, very appreciated. Get one. You'll probably be appreciated as well. And use the promo code Texans. I think we need only, like, two more. So, like, no joke, one or two of you all just go ahead and, you know, buy something from them, type in Texans. Then we get locked in until April and I will be your best friend if you do so. That's all I got. Um,
2: (laughs) I'll tell
0: you one thing that one of the products, the, the, the ball wipes. magical. (laughs) You you use them? Magical. Magical. Best $8 I've ever spent.
1: Okay. I I might have to do that. Um, (laughs) It's, we just got to have fun with it. We got to enjoy it. Um, all right, Jordan, you got questions for us? Maybe we have Yep.
2: A- got a lot of questions today. Let me find them. By the way, don't read Cody's. Oh, God. Cody <laughs> Johnson, that one?
1: Oh, I'm going to I'm gonna have to use this. Sorry, Cody. Okay. Our promo. Sorry. Um, sorry, sorry. Just going to throw it in. Um, last thing about Manscaped. Get <laughs> Manscaped like Houston's D every game. Jesus. Read that however you want. I appreciate that one.
2: <laughs> all right. We're gonna get into the questions here. The first one's gonna be from Chris uh nine seven eight seven one nine seven zero. He says, Thoughts on the coaching interviews today? So he means all the all the pressers, assistant coaches, everyone. Um it was hilarious how incompetent they are. And I think incompetent is a pretty great word. Uh John, what are your what are your quick thoughts on all the pressers today? <laughs>
1: You missed the beginning of the
2: shit. Oh, shit. You already talked <laughs> talk
1: about it? Dude, I mean, I, I was even better in Google just expressing my frustration with it. Like, specifically, Devlin. Like, oh, my God. Let's see if, I mean, you know what? I'm going to learn our, our, our explicit rating on, on this one. Jesus fucking Christ, dude. You are a coach, an offensive line coach in the NFL for over a decade. And you're going to tell me, oh, I wish I could teach that technique that Tunsil has to some of the younger guys. Like, yeah, that's your job. You can't teach him the talent, but you can teach him the technique. Like, Mm -hmm. seriously, that is your job.
2: Yeah, he definitely, he did not word um, his answers very well. I I get where he's coming from. Tunsil is amazing. He's proving he's the best left tackle in the league. But there's always something that you can do to get him better and improve the rest of the guys on the line. Devlin, he's got to be the first position coach to go for sure. I think the the one that really stood out to me, and and um someone said in the chat, but the DB coach. The DB coach um, praised Vernon Hargraves. It's Lynn. What? I'm sorry. Has he not been watching this team at all? He must be talking about a different Vernon Hargraves in a, in a different sport because that dude is hot trash. Oh my God! All right, it's next one's for you,
1: Pat. I mean, as James just pointed out, in his defense, Hargraves is having the best—he is having a career year right now.
2: Here's the thing. Here's the thing. He'll—I think he has like a career high in PBU's or something like that, and I think his career low in—or sorry, career high in percentage cash percentage allowed or whatever. But he's being thrown at so freaking much that it's gonna—it's bound to happen that you're gonna finger on the ball once or twice. And the thing that I've noticed, especially in the last few games, so many times quarterbacks are overthrowing his man. So many times. And it's just I don't know how he's getting that lucky. So that's how much of his time.
1: I know, and he's he he celebrating happy.
2: He looks
1: he's like, happy. Like, he has, you, have have. Time. And you are on the ground and you're gonna you're on the ground, you are burnt toast, and you get up and you're doing the incomplete. Like <sighs> if our defensive back coach I mean Coach Lynn has a future in this league, supposedly. Heard good things about him. I've lost all that respect, though, for him saying that and not – honestly, when Hargraves got up on the ground doing that, like he should have just – he should have been benched right then and there. Like he didn't do anything and he's over there celebrating and we're losing.
2: I would love to see if Vernon Hargreaves ever gets an interception and he gets the turnover belt. Oh, Oh, he's going to do some wild shit. <laughs> he's not going to know what to do when he catches the ball because he's never done it before. Nope. He's going to
0: run to the wrong end zone.
2: <laughs>
1: oh. oh, man.
2: All right. He's been enough of a punching bag. Let's move on. Um, This next one comes from Romeo Cornell Time. He says, NFL comp for Isaiah Coulter. And what could he bring to this offense that is unique when comparing his skills to some of our other wide receivers? What do you think about Coulter, Pat?
1: Oh, can I, can I hop in? Yeah, we'll
2: get, we'll get to you after, John.
1: I've got a perfect comp though. Go, John. Go. Robert Woods.
2: Yep.
0: Ooh. That's what I was thinking. Yeah. And I think that, you know, until obviously until he gets out on the field and starts, you know, actually catching the ball and um, stuff like that, it's going to be, James said DeAndre (laughs) Um, You know, it's, it's still yet to be seen. And, but Anybody that I've talked to, and you heard you heard John Barry today, that they are very high on him. So it's uh, – we'll it's see. I mean, but then again, DeAnthony Lynn is high on Vernon Hargay. So <laughs> i take anything these guys said today with a grain of salt.
1: No, Coulter, I remember when we drafted him, watching him. He is not Robert Woods yet, but he has a similar build, similar style. Um can possibly, with some polish, play the same positions. Now – could that happen? That, I mean, that's usually the best case when you do comps because there's a lot of guys that have similar athletic profiles that never work out. Mm-hmm. But Coulter, I mean, he's. The things that you can't work on have been given to him, like speed, size, ability to catch the ball. The things that he doesn't have are things that can be worked on, which is usually our favorite types of prospects. So we'll see. I mean, but yeah, he could be a very good receiver, or, you know, there's a lot of guys that are out there that especially with wide receivers that have all the talent in the world but are never able to put it together.
2: Yeah, I have I have high hopes for him, but we got to also keep in mind he was a 5th or 6th round pick from Rhode Island. I mean, the odds for him, he he's, he's got to beat the odds for sure, and there's no reason why he can't. Um if I were to give him a comp, I would say Kenny Stills, that was my comp um earlier in the season. He's got the speed, he's got good enough size. Um he's a big play guy, he's a decent route runner. Um, he can really do a little bit of everything. He might not specialize in one exact thing, but he's going to give you everything that you want. And so I'm really high on culture. Hopefully they activate him soon. All right, moving on. From Grayson Holmberg, he asked, you think we will look for any secondary help and will Justin Reed ever be Justin Reed that we are used to? And, oh, there's a lot of questions. Here. Okay, so first thing first thing we'll talk about is, is secondary help. Um, personally, I think we need a lot of secondary help. I think the only guys that should that are guaranteed to say is Roby. In my opinion, that's who. That's the one building block. Everyone wants to say Jay Reed, and I love Jay Reed, but we haven't seen rookie Jay Reed in two years. Last year he had the excuse torn labrum. I totally get it. He battled through. I love that he did that. This year, what's his excuse? I don't think he has one. And none of us want him to play bad. None of us do. None of us hate the guy, but he's had a down year, and I think. You're not looking to trade him, like I'm sure Pat said today. The Texans aren't looking to trade really anybody, but if you're gonna field some calls for him, if you're gonna, if people are gonna call about him, you're gonna listen. That's all I'm saying about J Reed. Um, and so other than that, I think Roby's the only guy. Hopefully, we re-sign Conley. Um, do you guys have some any other names or positions that we should focus on
1: for the secondary? <laughs> I'm cool with starting completely over to tell you the truth. <laughs> I yeah. mean, Conley and Roby. Roby I mean. This is what's sad, and this is what's heartbreaking. Coming into the season, we thought we had decent above-average depth at corner. But you move you move Lonnie to safety, and he looks lost. So he must have been horrible at corner, because he looks absolutely lost at safety. All of a sudden, our depth is hurt. Conley has a relatively minor ankle surgery, but there's something still wrong with it. Which happens in surgery sometime. So now we're down two corners. Hopefully Roby's okay. Hopefully. <clears throat> and, okay, now we're down three corners. <laughs> so we're seeing the likes of Philip Gain.
0: They got to get John Reed out on the field.
1: And Vernon Hargraves as our top two corners. Like, yeah, this is bad. Like, John Reed, I mean, he looked good against the Chiefs. Like, he wasn't getting pass breakups, but he was sticking close enough. There's a reason why he got seven tackles. Yeah, he was getting beat, but he was right there to clean it up. And sometimes that happens, especially when it's your first game in the NFL. So I don't see why they're not letting him play. Um, Keon Cross, and he's one of those guys that I've always wondered why he didn't get more snaps at corner. Because he can run with anybody. He may be one of the fastest players in the league. And yet... When they traded for him, they were like, he's a special teams guy mm-hmm. that is established with a high upside at corner, yet they never let him play corner. So, I don't know. At this point, if he's not any good and Reed's not any good and you really think that Hargraves and Gaines are our best two at this point, get rid of all of them. Like Obviously, because if they can't beat them out, then some, something's wrong.
2: Yeah, I definitely think those guys got to go. I think with the secondary, um you got your outside corners in, in Conley and Roby. hopefully, right? It's the nickel position for me that is going to be really important to replace and upgrade on. And right now they're in a predicament because Bill O'Brien paid Eric Murray all the money that he did. And so right now they want to play him. They want to play him somewhere. They're not going to play him at safety, which is where he's best at, where he's honestly just decent, probably a little bit below average at. He's fine. He's not going to be a liability at safety. But you got Jay Reed and you got Lonnie there. So they're putting him at nickel, and he's horrible at nickel. I said that. Brown's played him at nickel. Don't play him at nickel. He's not great there. But then what are you going to do? Are you going to move him back to safety? Is Lonnie going to go? Is Jay Reed going to go? Or are you gonna are you pencil your, penciling yourself into Eric Murray for the next couple of years until his contract expires? I don't think that's going to be a, a good solution whatsoever. So they got to move on from him, whether it's back to safety or whether they just have to deal with his contract and not play him but he's definitely a big issue as well.
1: No, Eric Murray is not better than um, Gibson. I can't. I forgot
2: about Deshaun Gibson the other day. I, that brought back more pain.
1: Lots of pain there. They can move on from Murray
2: next year and only eat
1: $5 million in dead caps. So. The fact that we have to eat any money for a player of that caliber yeah. is absolutely ridiculous. Yeah, I agree. Horrible. Alrighty, next one from
2: Martin Mariquin. Sorry if I pronounced that wrong, but he says, is it worth opening up cap space to have – is it worth opening up some cap space in a type of like Osweiler type of deal that we did before, um, where we might have to send a late pick, or should we be compiling as many picks as possible? Um, what are your thoughts on this, Pat?
0: I don't think you do you do anything right now because all you're gonna do is just make the incoming GM jobs harder because yeah. he's gonna have more holes to fill. He's gonna be dealing with dead caps, dead cap. Like you've got, it's just a number of different factors right now. Like this, this team is in almost. As bad a shape as it was when Charlie Castro left, um, than they've ever been, and so it's going to take somebody that's smart, methodical, and patient to come in and to fix this stuff. And so it's—I don't think right now it's worth doing anything because you're you're not going to you're not going to gain much. Yeah, you'll gain a little bit in cap space here. Um, but if you're having to send picks out in order to get picks, it's not worth it in the end. Like you're just, you know, you're just robbing Peter to pay Paul, and it's not going to be.
2: It's not how you build a roster. Yeah, exactly. I think the big one that a lot of people talk about is is merciless. Um, we don't know necessarily what we're going to get back for him, but the thing is, after not after the season, but the season after that, we can cut him for just three million in dead cap, and so that's not a big hit whatsoever. It sucks that it, it that we do take a hit, but that's where we can kinda of get out of that contract. All right, moving on. All right, we're gonna we're gonna get to Cody's. We're gonna get to Cody. So Cody a
0: no, 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 no,
2: no, 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 no. great friend Cody Johnson. He says, uh, why is Eric Bienemy overrated? Um, John, I know you're you're a dabble guy, right? So let's hear let's hear your case against Bienemy.
1: Um, just when Benemy has actually been a coach on his own. Um, just pretty much any time outside Andy Reid, he has not had a lot of success. Um, he was at Colorado State; they didn't do they didn't do so great. Um, and then when you're with the Chiefs currently, like you're in the best of all world situations. You have Andy Reid. You had a lot of very talented coaches around him, and it just. It's one of those things that I'm always kind of wary of. Like, I'm always afraid of that hotshot coordinator that doesn't call plays. And he may be calling plays now, and that would help. But typically, one of the mistakes that almost seems obvious is when you take a coach that – If you look at their body of success, it usually repeats. Usually guys that don't have a lot of success don't magically become successful. And you have to look at their entire track record. One of the reasons that James is being able to convince me over on Brady is everywhere he goes has success. Wins a national championship. He goes to Carolina, and he's been given a a roster where you thought that they were almost trying to tank this year based on that roster. And all of a sudden they are... not they're more than punch have puncher's chances in every single game, and Bridgewater looks like an amazing quarterback with him. So you got to look for that sort of pattern, not guys that go from mediocre, mediocre, get with another really good guy, and then shoot up. And this is almost just playing devil's advocate on on Benjamin. Like, I don't think I would be disappointed if he was if he was hired. Um, I especially depending on what assistance he brings with him. And I think bringing a lot of those Andy Reid philosophies over with Deshaun could turn out to be a very positive thing. But he's not number one for me because of those red flags.
2: All right, yeah, I I see where you're coming from. I think to kind of build off of what you're saying, um, because that really is my only concern as well, look at the Bears and Matt Nagy. Matt Nagy was in the position um four or five years ago. I don't remember the exact years, but he was a, he was a re disciple. He was the offensive genius. He was a quote unquote no brainer, head coach hire. Right, why isn't this dude getting hired as a head coach? He goes over the Bears, they have a couple good offensive outputs, but right now you ask Bears fans and they are complaining about him. They say sure, he's a good offensive mind, but he's not a and he's a good head coach, but he's not a good play caller. And so I think you could be on to something. We don't know. Every every coordinator is going to be different from Andy Reid, but they all do learn from him. So maybe that's something that he's not as good at teaching them about is calling plays while also being the head coach.
1: Well, I'm a little that bit afraid, the- afraid that it also kind of gets watered down after a while because you have Doug Peterson, and then Nagy took over for Peterson, and then Benamy took over for Nagy. So Peterson has won. He won a Super Bowl with the Eagles. He did an amazing job. Um, So no disrespect to him. But the Eagles have struggled to maintain that level of success. And Nagy has gone into Chicago, and they – I mean, he was a part of the draft that took Trubisky, and that's the only reason why that roster hasn't just destroyed people, because they shot themselves in the foot with a quarterback. But – I don't know how that reflects on, on, on Benjamin. Like I, I honestly don't like, do they think that they can take any quarterback and make them successful? Do they, I, I, I honestly, to me, that's the biggest question. Um, Cause it's the third coordinator in like six years. So.
2: Yeah. Pat, you got any thoughts on this before I move on to the next question? I just
0: like, I wouldn't be mad at the hire, right? Like, I wouldn't be mad if Eric Bianami was hired because everybody and anybody that's involved with football is telling us that he's supposed to be like this next great head coach, right? But my thing is like, there is zero proof that he has the ability to install an offense that's successful. Because we know he's not running his offense. He's running Andy Reid's offense. And I get it. They haven't really been successful until recently, right? But they also added, they had Travis Kelsey. They had Tyreek Hill. Now they've got this guy named Patrick Mahomes that has just literally taken this offense and put it over the top. And I feel like if you put Patrick Mahomes on the other 31 teams in the NFL, they're going to be competitive regardless of who's calling the plays, just because he's so intelligent and he's so athletic and he's so good on the field that he makes everybody else around him, including the coaches, look better, right? And I'm not trying to knock anybody that's over there, right? I'm not trying to knock the enemy. I'm not trying to knock Andy Reid or any of the players. But Patrick Mahomes is the root of everything that is good that's going on in Kansas City, not to mention that their defense has been bolstered by the likes of Chris Jones uh, and, like, Tyron Matthew. um, And, like, just they've got some young guys, even rookies this year, that are playing extremely well on the defense. And so they look really good. They are just a well-built team. And I feel like that the enemy is kind of the benefactor of that. And Mm -hmm. so I just – I don't – like, again, like, I wouldn't hate the hire, but I just feel like there's somebody else out there that could be better.
1: Yeah, Terry so I, Hill was a fifth rounder because of the trouble he got into college.
2: Yeah, bunch of people, not talent based at all. Yeah, I, I see where you guys are coming from, Biami. He he has all the talent that you could ever want as an offensive coordinator, and he has help from Reed. So he's put in a perfect situation. A lot of people like to say how Patrick Mahomes is put in a perfect situation. The is put in a pretty damn perfect situation too. And so I get that he might not be someone who who's gonna get who's gonna elevate mediocre talent to elite. Um. But we are going to build this team around Deshaun. We are still going to pour in assets on the offensive side of the ball. So if we get a GM who has that same mindset, who's going to go get us our Travis Kelsey, who's going to go get us our Tyreek Hill, put those weapons around him where where Biennemi has those weapons to work with, then we don't really have that issue anymore. You know what I mean? And obviously you can't clone Tyreek Hill. You can't clone Tyreek, um, Travis Kelsey. But um, all I'm saying is like the talent –
1: well, there was also a trust with the GM, with the coaching staff, and the ownership that they could take these guys that had character issues and bring them in. Yeah. Like, Kelsey was a risk because he had microfracture surgery on his knee. So that's why he fell. Terry Hill was a risk because, I mean, he, he did some horrible stuff in college. Yeah. Um, I don't know how much of it was confirmed or what was leaked out. Like, it was pretty bad. And you have to have, take those. Dorsey was always good at taking those risks. Um, mm-hmm. So, with those character guys, and that's having a trust in your coaching staff. So, I don't know. Yeah,
2: definitely. The biggest, definitely a big thing going forward is definitely the head coach and the GM having synergy, being on the same wavelength. And and we heard that from Bill O'Brien, but um, it's definitely still got to ring true. All right, moving on. Good to the last one here from Barry Allen, 899. He said, in six out of the seven games this season, the Texans have scored ten points or less in the first half. The one game we didn't, we got shut we got shut out in the second half. Um, so why do we think this is such an issue with the offense, and, and how can they fix it? Um, I think we'll start with you, Pat. Coaching.
0: It all boils down to coaching. These guys, it's we heard it recently last year with Bill, and you know previously that they weren't prepared, um, and they're still not. They're still yep. not prepared. Um, they come out flat, and they they can't drive the ball down the field on the opening drive. What do we have, like seven points, six points on the opening drives this season? Something like that? It's 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 a recipe for disaster. Um, you're going to get beat by by mediocre teams if you can't score early on in the game. You've got to be able to put up points. Um, You've got to keep your defense on the sideline, and they're not doing a good job of that at all. So I, I think it all just boils down to coaching. Because we've said it time and time again, there's way too much talent on this roster to be where they're at.
1: Yeah. And it's something with the coaching philosophy, too. They come out with usually about 12 scripted plays that are designed to find weaknesses in the defense, not necessarily to move the ball. And surprisingly, lots of times those 12 scripted plays actually do pretty well. But they're trying to test the defense, to get them into personnel coverages that they like, except the Texans have tried to do that, but they've never had any success doing that. And you kept waiting. And you that's where we kind of got lost in, in in the buy-in that maybe it was the personnel because, again, like the Bill O'Brien Patriot systems, like there's not a lot of plays there. There's a lot of formations that hide the plays, but they run the same plays over and over and over again. And if you don't have the personnel to pull that off, your offense looks incredibly simple. So that's where we got sucked into this argument that it's like, okay, maybe it was the personnel. We don't have the guys. We don't have the right pieces to really to really do that. And the coaching staff seemed pretty bound and determined to do that style of offense. So, we go out there and we're just trying to test the defense for the first drive or two, which leads to a bunch of four and outs. And there there may be something entirely towards the reason that only Tom Brady can run this offense because you even look at right now with Cam. Granted, he was doing pretty well before COVID hit, but he got COVID. After COVID, he hasn't been the same player. But there may be something to that. You just had an all-time great quarterback running an offense that made the offense look better. And we dismissed it, probably incorrectly, now looking back. But that might have been it.
2: Yeah. And I think their whole thing about um, – so the question was saying, like, scored in six out of seven games this season, we have scored ten or points less in the first half. So the, particularly, like, the first half struggles I've noticed is that we can't sustain drives, but because our defense is on the – because our defense can't stop drives either, the clock is just bleeding. Mm-hmm. We're never winning the time of possession battle – and because they can run, run, run all the time, they're getting six, seven, eight minute yard, minute long drives, and that's killing the entire halves, and so we just don't even have that many chances on offense. Deshaun's not given the ball that many times, and the times that he does early in the game, like we've been saying, the scripted plays aren't working, and we're getting off the field real quick, and so it's just a combination of all those things, and we it's that's just not a winning formula for football, and hopefully that does change going forward. Yeah, but,
0: and you, even you look at the Jacksonville game. They didn't win the time of possession game there, and they still won, but yeah. they won because Jacksonville is just a very bad team. But, again, you couldn't stay on the field long enough to sustain drives and maintain time of possession, so you had to, you know, it took a miracle for that game to even happen. I'm surprised they even
2: won it, to be honest with you. And I was there. <laughs> All right, that's going to do it for all the questions. You guys can always ask me um, on Twitter a couple hours before the pod goes live. Appreciate y'all.
1: Alrighty. Well, I believe that is everything for this evening. Thanks again, Pat, for for covering for James tonight. Um, Jordan, as always, great to have you. Great to have your insight. Um, again, follow us at, at HoustonFBPod on Twitter, Instagram, um, YouTube. If you're watching us right now, hopefully you've already found our YouTube channel. But otherwise, please go on there and subscribe. Um, give a second promo to Manscaped. Uh, use the promo code TEXANS. We're very, very close to securing that contract, and we could really use it, and we would be very, very appreciative of it. Um, you can follow me at, at John A. Wade and the number three. Um, however, I'm losing followers left and right. Because I'm starting to tweet about politics, and I'm going to tweet about politics because it's kind of important right now. Um, I do appreciate y'all. Y'all, thank y'all so much for listening, and we'll see you next week.